Welcome to Everyday Wonder, a New Orleans-based podcast that this season is all about finding hope and wonder amidst the sorrow, fear, and uncertainty of these COVID-19 times. I'm Brett Will Taylor, and joining me is our Everyday Wonder co-host, Renee Peck. Hello, Brett Will. How nice to be here with you today. And it is nice to see you, um, even remotely. And also joining us is our producer, Daryl Rollo. Hey, how's it going, man? Nice to be here. Going well, going well. Thanks for being here. So these days, um, like pretty much everybody else doing podcasts, we are a socially distancing podcast, which means that Renee, Daryl, and I are in different places, different states, in fact. I'm in Texas, Renee's in Mississippi, and Daryl is holding down the home front in Louisiana. Um, We like to begin each episode doing what all of us um, should be doing these days, which is just checking in. Um, so to get us started, um, how are y'all doing, Renee? Um, you know, I'm doing well, uh, a, a little confused, but well, uh, I'm doing well because I, um, I zoomed as we're all doing these days yesterday with my college roommates who I have not seen in years. And uh-huh. we were discussing the fact that this is bringing people together in odd and disjointed ways that, uh, we would never have done in real life. So the virtual world is enabling us to connect, uh, over the years and over uh, time and over geography uh, in a way that that is is, is making a stop and take um, and assess friendships. Uh, I'm confused because I'm in Mississippi. The county I'm in has opened the beaches. Uh, the county next to me has still closed the beaches. So the people from the closed beaches are coming to the open beaches. I went to the beach this weekend because it was a gorgeous day, tried to maintain social distances, ended up leaving because too many people were coming to the beach because some are open and some are closed. So my big what is going on here, my big conundrum these days is, what are we doing? Who's doing what? What are the rules? What are, what's going on here? And is it okay to do something here, but not something, you know, across the county line? And, and if so, how do we decide? So, um, so I'm, I'm getting there, but each, each week brings its challenges, let me tell you. Yep. Yep. Daryl? Uh, this week's been different for me. I have actually have started dropping my guard a little more uh, where I've been very guarded in the last couple of weeks of where I shopped and who I had shopped for me. And this has been the week that we've had a couple of family things arise. We had a, my father-in-law had to go into the hospital. So there's been certain times where we haven't had a choice. We've just had to roll up our sleeves and go out there and do what we had to do. And uh, so that's came with some anxieties and some things of that nature. But other than that, I'm dealing with things okay still. Uh, still inside, still in control of myself, uh, still doing my exercise and my, I'm eating right and I uh, feel pretty good about that. So, but other than that, just the anxiety of like, if this is the new you know norm, like getting used to that and uh, taking the gamble, I guess, on occasion on things, going back out in the real world. Yeah, you know, you say that because uh, today has uh, been a day of uh, of change, and I don't think we've even had time to get confused about it yet, Renee, because um, my partner, who has been home for six weeks, um, just got noticed that he'll be sent back out into the field. He travels 95% of the time. Um, he'll be sent back out to the Gulf Coast, the Texas Gulf Coast, on May 13th. Um, and we'll be there at least till July 31st. So there's change. And, um, and I think, you know, the rules are a theme today. And, uh, 
what's interesting is, um, as, as I think you all know, I always look at not only what's going on, but how are we showing up for it? And um, this is a week where I, I feel like I have put cheap gas in my car, in the car of my life or my body. In other words, I kind of think I run on super unleaded or premium gas. Um, and, you know, we all make those decisions sometimes about, oh, I mean, when gas wasn't a dollar twenty a gallon, um, we used to make those decisions of like, oh, I can save 10 cents or 20 five cents, it won't make a difference. And we put cheap gas in and, um, and it does make a difference You get where you need to go, but it's not as pleasant or as efficient a drive. And that's kind of, I feel like I'm running on cheap gas this week. Um, but here we are. And, um, you know, Renee, you used the word confusion and that ties to the last episode we did, which was around uncertainty. Um, and we want to build on that or, or continue that conversation because, what are we certain about these days? We want to continue that conversation by focusing on rules, um, as you mentioned, Renee. And and we certainly want to ask what are the rules, um, but we want to, but you know, let's acknowledge none of us really know what they are. And um, and because of that, I think we want to spend most of our time today talking about um, what are we looking for rules to do for us right now. Um, now, to kick things off, what I'd like to do is turn to our resident epidemiologist, who is Renee, um, to just tell us what is a rule. Well, a rule is a set of explicit or understood regulations or principles governing conduct, governing behavior. And in its purest sense, a rule is something everyone agrees on and everyone agrees to do together. So the rules of society um, are things that we all agree to do. If you take it a step further, rules can be enforced on people. But I think what we're talking about is more those things that we do because we as a society have accepted that these are the things that we need to do to get along in society and to behave. And the problem right now is that we, um, we have had some rules about a pandemic. First of all, a pandemic doesn't come with rules because it's something new. It's a novel coronavirus. It's not anything we've ever seen before. So it doesn't come with an instruction book, although I just watched Steven Spielberg's Contagion. And so I do have some ideas about, you know, what the rules should have been. But, but, the, but the problem is that the rules that we started with four to six weeks ago are, are, are morphing into new rules as the situation changes, as you have just found out with your partner. Suddenly, the rules stay at home, don't go out, don't work is shifting. And for me, the question is, who makes the rules? But more than that, how do we decide what the rules should be? How do we decide what the rules are? How do we decide these accepted, explicit conditions of living that we all agree on? And in this country, we never agree on anything, which just makes the whole thing that much more difficult to navigate. Well, I think that's an interesting, your last statement, we'd never agree on anything is so critical to hold as a truth right now, because we used to agree. Um, and of course, we used to agree because fewer people decided what the rules are. But, you know, we're, we're, we're living what happens when, when you can't make rules. I mean, I think we are seeing right now um, that as a, as a body politic, as a country, we are incapable at this stage in our journey of making rules. 
um, that everybody adheres to. And I say that as somebody, I have a love-hate relationship with rules, but I do value rules as a means to an end. If it's an end I want to get to. And let's be clear, I would like to get to, you know, the end right now is staying alive. So I'm all about the means to that. Um, but I think it's interesting, you know, we're, we created this because I hear what you're saying, Renee, about there aren't rules for a pandemic, but there are. Um, you know, there are experts who do this stuff and they have rules of um, what to watch for, when to start to act, et cetera. And our federal government, or at least the occupant in the White House, um, decided to ignore those. And, um, and we had an election that put him there. And, and so we created that. So, you know, how do we, uh, I think the well, chaos... I would- I would argue that we have too many rules um, because the way our government is set up, we have state government, we have local government, we have federal government, um, and there's a lot of talk about which one should be ascendant. Should the states decide? Should the mayor decide? The federal government is operating in something of a vacuum now, so they're not deciding. So I think that we're looking for guidance. We're looking for somebody. And the scientists, yes, they do have rules about a pandemic, but a lot of people think that their rules go too far because they're too cautious and they're too concerned about all of us catching this. And so they don't care about the economy or jobs or whatever. They just care about staying alive because yes, our, our goal is to stay alive, but it's also to, um, to guard our society, our way of life, to keep our jobs and our economy and whatever going. And if we don't do that, we're going to lose lives that way as well. So, um, so I think, and I'm like you, I'm totally agree with you that I am not a rule follower, never have been, never will be. Uh, but I was always the one on the front of the class raising my hands to answer the question because there is an inherent um, respect for authority or fear of uh, going up against authority, I guess, breaking the rules. I always got caught that uh, that makes me fear the rules, even if I don't want to follow the rules. And I think that's true of a lot of Americans these days. I really do. They oh, want to follow them, but not really, you know? You were afraid of getting caught because you sat in front of the class. I'll tell you right now, when you sit in the back, you know, when you hang back, you can avoid getting caught. Um, so, so let me ask you, um, you know, Renee, what rules? What do you look? What rules are you looking for right now? Well, I am looking for personal guidance in how to live my everyday life with the most quality and the least risk. And so, I That's think. Easy. Yeah. So I think all of us want to get back to things the way they were or to be able to eat a cheeseburger again without having to deliver it in Lysol when it comes to the door. Um, But I don't think we all know how to get there. And I think different people, different experts, different leaders have different ways of getting us there. So I am looking for guidance and I am looking for some sort of um, uh, playbook that allows us to get from point A to point B as quickly but as safely as possible, as I think everybody is. You know, the White House came out with a three-phase reopening. And phase one, no more than 10 people, schools still closed, no bars, no restaurant service. Phase two, uh, up to 50 people can get together. You can have limited restaurant service. You can go back to school, still no bars. Phase three is kind of back to normal where you can have multiple people get together. You still have to be careful, but you but you uh, can have as many people as you want. Bars are open. You just can't have supposedly the shoulder to shoulder standing room only crowd. Who's going to police that? Who's going to who's going to dictate that? I don't know. So there are people coming out with guidance, which which without legal authority becomes our rules. But the problem is, as where I am, whereas they differ once you cross a county line. 
they're not consistent. And, and I think we're looking right now for consistency. Well, I guess my piece is, um, is that possible? You know, I think to me, I think, you know, for rules to work, um, they need to me for rules to work, they need to point you towards a, a destination. Um, and it's not only an agreed upon destination, it's a realistic destination. And I don't think you're in this case, but are you in this situation, Renee? But I think there are so many people out there who are looking for the rules that will deliver us to where we were. What, so, what, is, what is a rule for you, Brett Will? What do you consider a rule? The rule's a guide. I mean, I don't have any, I have no disagreement with your definition of rule. Um, and I'm actually, I'm not disagreeing with anything. You're no, no, saying, no, I know, I know. But, but I what guess, I'm getting at is, how are you going to decide your actions? Are you going to follow a set of rules? Or are you just going to make up your own, you know, set of rules yourself? I, that's what we're all grappling with. Well, know? I think that's a, I think that's a different question. I mean, part, part of what I'm saying is we are still so in denial of where we're going or, 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 or we, we so don't know where we're going. We keep looking for any kind of certainty and rules give certainty, but at this stage, give a false certainty because they could be leading you somewhere that's not real. You know, to your question, um, you know, I think a lot about rules. I mean, it's, it's a big part of my spirit journey and I'm happy to, to talk about that, but I think, um, I just, I hadn't thought about this until listening to you all. This is why we do a podcast about conversations, right? And I think it's like, should we be talking about rules or should we be talking about where are we going and where do we, and what do we know about where we're going? And maybe that's it. You know, what do we, what do we at least have a 99% certainty we will go back to? And I'll give you an example. Your daughter will get married. Um, your, your grandkids, your adorable, fantastic grandkids will go back to some form of school. So do we need to maybe break down the rules or am I, am I overthinking this? Cause Renee, I know you will always tell me no, when I'm there. No, I mean, you know, people are talking about the new normal and I think where we are right now, the Washington post had a, had a, had an article about how this is the end of the beginning. This is the end of phase one. This is the end of let's stop it, mitigate it, flatten the curve, get to a point where the hospitals can accommodate people and then we'll see what we do. So this is yep. the end of that beginning. This is the beginning of the next step. And I think most people are pragmatic enough to know that there is going to be a new normal. I think after 9-11, people never got on an airplane again without going through a metal detector. That was a huge societal change. There will be cultural, cultural changes with this as well. Uh, but if the end product of where we're going is so open-ended that we don't know what we're going to be or how we're going to live life, then we can't make rules because we don't know what's going to happen. And I think we have to base the new normal on the old normal. Yes, we want to well, go back to restaurants again. Yes, we want to go back to school again. Yes, we want to fly on an airplane again. So how can we do that in a way that protects us as much as possible, but also gets us back to those quality of life issues that made things worthwhile? You know, Renee, to keep it, you know, you keep leading us here. So you're looking for the rules that just say, when can I go to a restaurant or, or, or what is the rule? Right, exactly. And I think a lot of people are grappling with this. I was reading another article today about how the new way of living will be to create social bubbles. And I have done this myself already by going from strict quarantine, just my husband and me with no one, no one going out, no one coming in, the door is a prison, to widening my circle to include my family. So now I have broadened my 
I called it my social network. I know now it's the social bubble. My bubble now includes my three grown children and their families. Um, Other people I know are not yet ready to expand that social bubble and other people I know have already expanded it beyond what I have. So the, 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 the new way of living, the new rules are what can we do to get back to the community and connection and camaraderie and enjoyment of life or even get back to working and earning a wage, or even get back to sending our kids to learn their multiplication tables, although I don't think kids do that anymore, but maybe they do. And, um, and I think that, that what, we're, what we're struggling to do is to, to create formats and formulas and ways and guidelines to get to that without risking the health of all the people, ourselves or the people around us. So, um, you know, so, so it's a whole new world. It really is. Well, I think it's interesting because it's interesting. You say it's a whole new world um, and you keep, you, you use again, you've used several times the phrase to get back to. And again, I think that is this subconscious conflict we're caught in right now. Um, you know, we know it's going to be a new world, but then we're looking for rules to get us back. Um, well, we don't want it to be a new world in that we want different kinds of houses or a different way to eat our food or a different way to learn the multiplication tables. We want to be able to do those things. I don't think it's contradictory to say that we want things that we did before, like teaching our kids, giving our kids an education or being able to enjoy a meal. And yet we realize we have to do those things in new ways. Right. So, so I don't think by saying going back, I don't think we're saying we wanted everything exactly the way it was before. I think what we're saying is we know we have to do things differently, but we don't want we want the we don't want the substance to be so different. We want to be able to enjoy each other's companies. We want to be able to get back to work and make a living. We want to be able to send our kids to school. We want to be able to to travel. And and all the, and and there's nothing wrong with wanting those things again, and there's nothing contradictory to me about knowing we're going to have to do those things differently. And no, but I, I appreciate you know. Look, this is again part of why we do a podcast where you can have an actual conversation, right? Because unfortunately, we live in a country where the norm is for me to go screw you, Renee, you keep talking, you keep saying you want a new world, but you know, you're a privileged white woman sitting in your vacation house and you just want to go back. So goodbye. And, um, and I think because as a, as a community, as a society, we have that immaturity, we don't allow for clarification. And by the way, isn't that one of the great things rules do is they clarify a path you know, or they clarify guidance. Yes, but I th- and I think what you're getting to the heart of is the fact that in order for a rule to be a rule and people to follow it, you have to agree on it. You have to agree. Yes. Unless you're in a totalitarian society, we all have to agree that this is the best way to go forward. And that depends on trust and goodwill. And I think most Americans are can be relied upon to do things for the common good. I think there's a percentage of people who will always be self-interested, screw you, my rights are my rights, I don't care if you get sick. There will be people like that. I I am um, an idealist, and I think that enough people want to get to the point where we can have um, a decent life back, working, playing, uh, learning, that they will do whatever's the best for the common good. Although I don't know that people will do that for a long, sustained period. I think people are already sort of, okay, we did it. Now we're going to go do whatever we want to again. Uh, but I think most people in the middle of the curve 
are going to try to do the right thing. I have to believe that. I think that's right. Um, I think that's right about the right thing. Um, I, I guess one of the things that I wrestle with is, um, as I was thinking about today's episode and thinking about rules, um, I, I was thinking about rules fundamentally are about power sharing. You know, if I look to society to tell me what the speed limit is, um, I am giving up my power to decide that. And, um, and if, if I, I go back to a means to an end, if I can follow, if I can honor, if I can have enough goodwill to honor society's rule, to let them use my power to tell me how fast to go, and I can still get where I want to go, I'm okay with that. Okay, I, so you you are a gay male, but that's a very male thing to say. I, oh. uh, I <laughs> your feminism didn't come out enough on that one because I would I would say that the male is all about dominance and power. The female is about survival and teamwork and collaboration. So for me, the speed limit is not about my power or having the power to go as fast as I want. The speed limit is about what's for the what. How do we survive from this day to the next by not running over people and hitting people and whatever? Right. So, so I do think that. Um, I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but all of the countries in the world who are dealing with this well have female leaders. You did hello, not. Just- hello, Singapore. Hello, yeah. So, um, but I do, I do think that people in this, you know, it comes down to the individual versus society and, and freedom versus responsibility. And it does, it does. We have freedom, but we also have responsibility. And with freedom comes a tremendous amount of responsibility to use that freedom correctly. And, you know, I listen, exactly. And you and I, you know, we talk about masculine and feminine a lot because it's one of the big things to, to talk about always. Um, but, you know, I think you talk about it from a gender perspective and I think of it from an archetypical perspective. So I think of it, I go to those traits. and oh, um, Power, and so, power and versus so, survival. And yeah, I mean, I think that's... Nurturing, women are nurturing, you know, women, the, the female archetype, not gender, female archetype is the nurturer and the male archetype, we're talking Jung and myth and all that, um, the male archetype is the warrior. And so um, so I agree 100% with what you've said, which is um, power is a very masculine thing, and we live in a very masculine archetypical society. It's hyper-masculine. So if we, if we bring this rules, if we bring this masculine-feminine archetypical thing into our COVID times, I'm okay standing in line right now to get even to even get inside a grocery store right um but i have to be honest and i don't think it's just because i'm gender um, you know my gender is a male again i think it's our current society's interpretation of those community expectations you know i'm okay waiting in line because it takes maybe 15 or 20 minutes would I be okay? Would it, would Daryl or Renee, would either of you be okay if you had to wait in line two hours to get in a grocery store? Would you be okay <laughs> waiting to get in if it was a hundred degrees outside? Because I think, you know, what you just talked about, about the individual and society, that's the crux of the challenge right now with rules. Because I think, I, I, I think why, while most Americans wouldn't admit it, I think we are a little more focused on individual than society right now. And that's a problem. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Daryl, chime in here. I don't disagree. Um, I think that how long you're willing to wait in line, how long you're willing to wait to be good for society is is not even so much of a gender question as it is an individual question. I think it depends on uh, where we come from. Uh, You know, it is very easy for me to sit back and wait because I am from, I don't have to, you know, I, I can sit on my porch in my swing and not worry. I am privileged. Uh, in many, many ways. Um, And I think socioeconomically, we have, I think racially, we have a very divisive society. And there are people who can't wait uh, because of need. I think there are other people who can't wait because of temperament, my husband being the first one in line there. No, he wouldn't wait five minutes, much less five hours. But I don't think it's a gender thing. I think it's a a personal thing. and I don't think it's going to come down to that, though. I think it's going to come down to agreeing on principles, which are rules, agreeing on principles that we can all stand behind and making those strict enough to mitigate this, but lenient enough that our personal freedoms aren't compromised. Now, I think we've tried to do that by opening the beaches, but telling people to stay six feet apart. The problem comes because we have such a high population, so many numbers that people can't, you know, when I got to the beach and saw it was crowded, I left. When I saw a line at Academy Sports waiting to get into the moder- you know, to the, to the interior where only 10 people could go in at a time, I left. And I think that we are, as a society, very impatient, very goods-oriented, very personal, very me first. I agree. And I don't know how far society will take us before it breaks down into, well, I don't care about the common good anymore. And I hope we don't see that. I yep. hope we get there. So Daryl, I'm watching you nod your head and lean in. I agree. I think it all comes down to like, I hate to, you know, how much shit are you willing to eat and to, to, for the greater good of everybody else. Um, and that's going to be a matter of personal patience for each person. Like how much are you willing to deal with, you know, like, sure, you can go into a store now, but now everyone has to wear a mask. Like for instance, I seen today in new Orleans, Costco, that everybody, they're going to make everybody that goes in the store wear a mask now. And I, I shouldn't have, but I looked at the comment section, you know, and there was some people that were like, Hey, that's great. Fantastic. That makes me feel better about shopping there. It makes me feel better about your employees being safe. And there were some people that were like, well, I know where I'm not doing business anymore. You guys are communists now. And I was thinking like, it's not a matter of communism. It's a matter of personal safety, you know, like they're trying to do something and implement a rule you know, to make everyone a little safer when they do go in there. And certain people are just not willing to go through just putting some, as somebody put in the, in the ad uh, or in the comment section, something about getting carbon monoxide poisoning what? From, from wearing a face mask. God, people, and, people that's another comment oh, for another day. So stupid. Right. So, but, but you see, Daryl, no. people, that's somebody making a rule. It's not the yeah. government. It's not individuals. It's the company making a rule. So on right. the one hand, the company is going to do what it thinks is good for its customers and its workers because that's mainly who they're yeah. protecting. Right. As a consumer, I'm going to choose to go to Costco over else because they are they are enforcing that. You know, I had a friend who went to Trader Joe's the other day and they have marks on the pavement where you stand six feet apart. They sanitize the cart before they give it to you. They give you a mask. They give you hand sanitizer. They have the whole thing in a way that makes people feel safe. I'm going to go there instead of another grocery store where everybody just crowds in and takes their own cart. It's up to your, up to you to sanitize it. So, so we're talking about rules here and we're talking about both making them and those who make them 
being rewarded by consumers like me who who appreciate it or being penalized by the comet person who's not going to shop there because they don't want those rules made in spite of themselves. You know, are we having, or did we decide to have a conversation, uh, do a podcast episode about what are the rules and what are we looking for? And there are no rules because we were just restless. And in fact, um, things are kind of working. And I'll give you, because, you know, what you all just walked through with Costco shows me that there's a, 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 a tiered aspect of rules that are working, which is the, gov- the federal government, um, which I have to, even the Trump administration did its job here and said, here are guidelines. We recognize that this is that with all virus, it affects different areas differently or is. And so follow these guidelines as you see fit based on your area, um, which is what the governor of Louisiana is doing. And then you look at the Costco, you look at the business owners, which are making a judgment um, of what is best for their employees and their customers. And then the consumers, the rule in America is choice. Right. Number one rule is you get to choose. Now, here is where this gets tricky. If coronavirus was something that you could either pick up or put down and see it, that would be okay, right? Because you don't see, you can't see the virus. And so you don't see who has. So the tricky part of this is, yes, there's a system of rules that works to a point, but with a virus, somebody who doesn't choose to go to Costco because they're pissed that someone's making them wear a face mask and gets COVID-19 could interact with you, Renee, your rules, which are more societal-based, and you get sick. Yeah. That's right. No, the, 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 uh, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Um, you know, at the beginning, I said that because this is something we've never had before quite like this, there are no rules. And you said, yes, there are rules because the scientists and the federal people and all of that do, but what, but there are no rules in that. What, how we're reacting to this, how we're, how we're handling this, we're making up the rules as we go along. Yes, we can say Mm -hmm. every person can infect 2.5 people. Yes, we can say people are asymptomatic and can give it before they even show that they have it or they can walk around and give it two days before, you know, but, but really we are trying to deal with something that we've never had to make rules like this for. We've never had to tell people you wear masks in public. We've never had to tell people you need to sanitize and wipe a cart down before you push it through a grocery store. Um, and yes, there will be people who say that this is not necessary and the rules are unenforceable anyway, and they're also uh, going too far. But I think that the best thing you can do is use, and here I come to one of my favorite soapboxes, common sense. Where did common sense go? Can't we all just sit back and say, this makes sense. Yeah, this makes sense. My mother said years ago that she tried to get my dad to quit smoking back in the 60s before the Surgeon General and auctioner and all those people came out and said it was bad. And I said, how did you know it was bad? And she said, well, it just seemed to me that blowing hot, that pulling hot air with full of smoke into your lungs was probably not a good thing for it. And I think that's the same with this. You can look at this and say, okay, obviously people are contagious and they don't know it. And obviously people can give it. And so obviously there are some things that we should do. How far we go with that, how, how carefully we observe that depends on a lot of factors. But I think there is sort of a middle sweet spot that we can all agree on. 
I, I think um, some of us can agree on it or, um, you know, maybe a majority agree on it. Cause it's interesting when you think smoking, you know, you have people who still smoke and, um, and, and but I they think do so knowing the risk. But, I, but people have known the risk for smoking for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what happened is the science got better and better and the risk got clear. The risk got more precise, but people have known it. And um, and it's interesting if you use smoking, maybe smoking is an interesting ref or interesting comparison with COVID-19 because, you know, I tell people, my partner who used to smoke is appalled at this. I'm like, you know, I remember when there were smoking sections in planes. Me too. Gets to something I was going to mention when when Daryl was talking about the comments on um, Costco opening and requiring masks. Um, you know, part of me wonders, you know, is this just the way we always deal with pandemics? Because there were times when we wore masks in public. The last time was the Spanish flu, and people did wear masks. Um, but I just wonder, and I don't mean to be harsh about this, but I guess I am harsh. Is it natural to society that there is always X percentage of assholes? And, and we happen to, every time we live through our lives and we come upon these moments when you are confronted that there is indeed X percentage of assholes, you act shocked and you think it's a, an aberration of the moment where in fact it's just a, a natural thing and that's why we actually have to have vaccines. Um, after after Katrina, um, you know, there was looting and there was some civil disobedience and there were things happening. And I was talking to um, to a National Guardsman, somebody high up in the National Guards about one time. And I was like, why do people act this way? And he said, Renee, 95 percent of of the of the population is what we would consider normal and they will adhere to whatever's best for the common good. 5% are always going to be psychotic or mentally ill or, or have no, you know, have no moral compass. They will behave most of the time because they have to, given the laws and the society and, and the fear of repercussion. But whenever anything breaks down, that 5% is what then has free reign to act however they want to. And that's the 5% that causes the most chaos and the most, uh, the most effect. And, and I think that's true with this. I think 95% of us are going to try to do what's best. And I think 5% of us, for whatever reason, are probably not. And, you know, yeah. that's the way it is. I love that because it takes, it takes us back to rules, right? Which is um, when you have some semblance of rules, not many, right? Um, but some semblance, then there is an order for that 95%. And those 5% more and more become an outlier. And, you know, I think it's interesting. That's why social media, I think, is so, our perception of social media is so messed up. Um, at a purely factual level, social media is based on an algorithm. So if you have a bunch of assholes on your feed, guess what? You're an asshole. Or you like <laughs> to be around assholes because that's how, you know, I don't have, I mean, I have a very happy little social media feed. Now, I may still be an asshole, but at least in social media land, I'm not. Um, but my point is, you know, like so social media maybe is kind of, we're living in this social media collective space right now with COVID-19 because there are no rules. So it's so easy to get distracted by the assholes or think they're outnumbering everybody. And maybe we just are, maybe I go, it's exactly where we started. So maybe I should just listen to you, Renee, in the beginning. We don't have to do a podcast. It can be five minutes because maybe all we're in right now 
is a transitional moment within a big moment of uncertainty. So it's uncertainty within uncertainty. So we just need, and I love your your focus on this, Renee, we just need to know the rules of when could I go back to the, a restaurant? When could I get my god-awful haircut? When, you know, is there going to be summer camp? Um, just even yes or no's. Um, and then it'll hold the 95% of us over in that bubble of uncertainty that could go on for a long time. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I, and I think, too, um, if you want to bring our permanent guest into the conversation, who is New Orleans. Always. Um, and New Orleans, I might add, we agree, is feminine. Um, so she shows a lot more common sense. Uh, then of course, she's just a fabulous gay man. 50% of the population. Um, New Orleans is a place that is uh, that values its eccentricity. It values its characters. It values people being individuals. Does not value rules very well. Does much. I mean, it does not value government or uh, or or people who come in and tell you how to do things that, you know, look at our potholes, look at all of our politicians. So we are a city that probably has fewer uh, reliance on rules than other places, but we, I think we mitigate that with the fact that we're very uh, from the bottom up uh, concerned about quality of life and living well together and helping one another, that common good that I'm talking about because we yeah. all feel like we're rowing this boat together in a very um, intrinsic way. And, uh, and that's what gives me hope. I, I love that. And I think maybe that's a good place for us to end is, and let me maybe take a stab at condensing all that awesomeness to one sentence. Um, you know, New Orleans is a city where the only rule um, is we're all in this together. And we expect folks who call New Orleans home to live by that rule. Right. And um, maybe, maybe if we, the people, um, could come together with that rule, it's not even that the others would fall into place. Maybe we wouldn't need the others as much, because I think that's what we find in New Orleans. Yes. You know? Yes. Whether we're going to end this episode by, uh, again, just saying the rule we're looking for is we're all in this together, or we want to end it by yawning because we've gone on too long. Um, either way, this is a place to say goodbye. And thank you, Daryl. Thank you, my awesome friend, Renee. And uh, thank you, listeners. And uh, please show up for our next episode and please subscribe. It would mean a lot to us. And please be careful out there. Thanks for listening. Such a beautiful place